Good morning and welcome to another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoff, C70 at the bat at C70 on Twitter. With me as always, Alan Medlock, Red Dirt Redbird, A Medlock 1 on Twitter. Coming to you as I look out the window before the sun comes up on a Saturday morning. We're up at about early for various reasons. Um, not because the Cardinals have done anything dramatic, but it just works into our schedule. Um, Alan, it's been a couple weeks since we did the show. It's been... It feels like it's been busy, even though they're just little small little things here and there that have kind of added up. There's been news, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's well put. Be it. What I like about it is this seems more normal. This seems like the most normal off season beginning we've had in a while, without the uh, the weight of of the pandemic or the strike or or the like. I you know what? I let me take that back. The lockout. I'm sorry I put it that way. The the, uh, the lockout and uh, it just seems like we're kind of on a uh, it, it, this is the beginning of what could be a pretty exciting off season. I mean this this past hour I actually spent watching the uh, one of the MLB Network preview shows of uh, the off season and there was a lot of in depth team uh, things about some teams the Cardinals didn't make it but it was some some of the Braves moves and the White Sox moves and stuff like that and. And, you know, get your blood pumping a little bit because then you start seeing some of these names that are out there and uh, and it really feels much more normal than we've had in the past two seasons. Yeah, it's a really good point um, because, yeah, you're right. Last year there was a lot of scrambling around. You know, it did lead to a very um, exciting free agency period because everybody tried to jam their stuff in before the, before the lockouts uh, came around. Yeah, yeah. It's still that we had that that cloud overhead, right. you know, a little bit, you know, hanging over a little bit. But yeah, you're exactly right. I forgot about the rush. Yeah, but it wasn't normal. I mean, that's just that's not normal. And then, of course, two years ago, still trying to figure out, you know, if there was going to be a season in 2020 and what that was going to mean and, and all that. And, you know, teams losing a lot of money impacted that. So, yeah, you're right. It, it does feel a little bit more like we're back to the natural routines, you know, the Real for our drafts come in, <laughs> although to be uh, to be uh, a little bit new, the draft lottery is coming. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's so telling as a Cardinal fan. I have not paid a lick of attention to what that is all about. You know, I mean, I know it's there. I know that you know certain teams have certain percentages. I know blah blah blah. I know that some of the basics, but I haven't given another thought of it because it's not something that the Cardinals, uh, you know don't have to worry about it now shouldn't have to worry about it for any any time in the near future if they ever have to worry about it this team has hit a really bad stretch <laughs> yeah that's a good point and it's one of those to where i like the progressive nature of adding these things in to a, a little bit of uh uh more moderate ways to look at things and it's honestly a way to televise something you know what i mean and, and to build headlines and, and things like that there's a gimmicky factor to it because they're the third, maybe even fourth 
a major professional sport to do this, but I think that I noticed, well, maybe it's not even really cryptic that much that uh, they want much more and they being MLB wants much more emphasis on the draft. And I, you can tell that's kind of the way that they've targeted the, the, uh, the, um, they've targeted the youth sports arena to, to, you could, Long story, I just feel like this is one of the things that they've done in their research that they feel like they can build a younger younger fan base out of by doing something more moderate than other these other teams do. And and to me and to you probably kind of seems a little gimmicky at first. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to see how this works out, but but yeah, I I, I thought it was such a bit, was funny that it was a uh, I mean a bold letterhead and everything that came from MLB on the the press release that that this was going to be done, which. It's probably going to be an afterthought for traditional fans for the first few years. Yeah, and I mean, the the explanation given by MLB that it's going to, in theory, affect tanking because you can't yeah. guarantee the number one pick. I don't think that's. I don't think that's effective. I mean, because I know I. Can, yeah. yeah go ahead. Well, um, no, no, no. You you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we hear on. In Major League Baseball on draft day, we hear more about slot value than we hear about, you know, tanking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I mean that does that does tie in, right? But you know what? If if you tank, you're at worst I think the at worst fourth, you know, um that's still gonna give you a very quality player and you're gonna be drafting fourth and ever oh actually I think is this or is that just for the first round? And do they go by or does it go by that order all the way through the draft? I don't know. Yeah, um, that I'm not really sure. For some reason, I got the impression, and I don't know why I'm thinking this, that rounds two through whatever, 20, I guess now, um, were were actually based on record. But I may not be. Either way, um, you know, if you're tanking, either you're going to be drafted, you're going to be drafted in the first top four of every round. And that that's what builds up. I mean, the top player is great. That's your that's where you're going to get a lot of your attention. But if you're trying to build a team, you want as many higher, you know, higher picks in each round as, as possible. And so I just, I just don't feel like you're going to, it's going to be a huge detriment to tanking. And, and maybe it will be, I mean, there are usually that one or two players that you really want to get. And maybe the drop off is pretty significant after that. But I think to some degree, you take your chances there, right? I mean, if you're a team that say you're a team like Pittsburgh, which isn't tanking, they're just bad. Um, but you know, if you're going to be like, I want player X and if we don't get player, I, I can't be good enough to be good. So I might as well be bad enough to at least have a chance for that. And if I don't get them, then it's not that much off of what we would have been anyway. That yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and it's funny. I was sitting here thinking. I was trying to do some research. I'm not really sure how the draft order works in any other sport outside of the NBA lottery. Mm. You know, it. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how, how beneficial it is, other than more than being a draw that you can yeah. add to. Right. You know, this the events that are going to surround the winter meetings in particular, which we're all going to be there for the free agent signings and potential rule changes and stuff like that more than this. But, you know, it's also something we'll watch and, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, it gives, it gives fans that have dealt with bad teams all year, at least the option or the hope that, 
they're going to get, you know, the top pick and then player X who I don't even know, you know, there's some years and maybe it's too early because college baseball and stuff and high school and stuff. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a number of years where there's a fairly consensus number one. Um, I don't know who that is for next year. I mean, there's not a, I mean, there doesn't seem to be, and again, I'm, I don't follow all this. So you, you may know more than I do, but I haven't heard about this, you know, this transcendent player like a Bryce Harper or Steven Strasburg or, you know, somebody that was really huge, you know, coming out of, of college that, you know, Adelie Rushman, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's well, uh, and that, I don't know who that is. Well, and it's gonna it's gonna be tough to match the Jack Lighter, Kamar Rocker, and stuff like that mm-hmm. back in the you know back a couple of years ago. Um, I couldn't tell you who the first pick was last year. Now that I think about it, be, I remember the 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 emphasis on the draft last year was the fact that the all the teams that did not have those picks, you know, when yeah. they cut it down by you know a quarter of what it normally was, that was that was the headline last year. So this year, I watch a lot of college baseball. Um, I know that there's some. Oklahoma State guys, they're going to be first rounders, but not necessarily the transcendent type guys. But, uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I know. You, well, you, you be Arkansas being in your backyard, you, you're going to be in the same situation. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure um, where we are as far as the top five, top ten type situation. Actually, you do know the, the the top pick from last year. I had to look it up, but you you actually do know it. It's Jackson Holiday. Um, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so that's I, I'm an idiot. I've forgotten. I'd have to go back and look. He wasn't necessarily the. He was one of two yeah. or three that was that was potentially. I think it was a little bit surprising that he went first. first yeah, first. I've forgotten all about it. And I, you know what? I, I didn't I, watch I, the draft show. I just slipped my mind. Yeah, yeah. I just like I said, I had to look it up. But then once I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I know that. Um, just because of the holiday name, I would, you know, if it had been anybody else, I probably wouldn't have had a, had a clue. Um, so that's where, that's where baseball is right now. Uh, that's where the Cardinals are. Um, uh, I guess before we get into the Cardinals, so is there anything you want to say about the world series? Um, you know, Philadelphia kind of looked early on, like they might be able to finish running that whole table, uh, and then fell a little bit short to the Astros, which, you know, they have nothing else brought up the whole cheating scandal again, even though they didn't, you know, it seems like it was a clean one this time around. Um, did I mean, you watched it. What did you think? Oh, it was a good series. It was a very good series. I, and there was the game where, um, where, uh, where McCullers couldn't get out of the, uh, you know, they left him in too long because he was, it was home run derby on him where I thought, okay, he's actually really good. And this is, uh, this is ugly. And the Philadelphia may close this thing out quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, after uh, game three, then to come back and get no hit, you know, you're just like, well, here now we're definitely going back to um, um, Houston. So now you're going to have to see what happens. So, right. yeah, it was a good series. Um, I, I, you know what? I know that uh, this may not be the most popular opinion. I did like to see it for Dusty Baker, and especially in a situation where the, there was no St. Louis uh, implications at all. You know, he didn't win a World Series in Chicago. You know, not very good in Cincinnati, you know, one of those things. Right. But, you know, I was glad for him, a baseball lifer, to actually pull it off. And, and yeah, you know, Houston can't get out of their own way. I mean, they, they, they you know, they have the cheating scandal. They're never going to live that down. You know, right. you have a, a superstar in Bregman who I think will always have that over his head. 
And then, of course, they turn around and fire their whole front office. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm just like, it's just, it's just, a, it's, it's weird down there, especially after winning the series. I don't know. It's, it's just odd. But the, it was a very good and entertaining World Series, which, which was fun to watch. It feels like, I mean, again, I haven't read all the stories because this kind of happened the last day or so. I, I have, especially yesterday, I was not around. Um, but it kind of feels to me like the Astros then went, analytical on their front office saying you know we can get somebody to do that we're not going to give you a long-term contract we're you know we've got other people that can do some of this job and i don't know that that's you know i don't know that that's accurate i'm not saying i agree with it but it just felt like if you're only offering your general manager another you know another year on his contract then you it's not surprising what he's going to turn that down and you're going to have to you know a whole nother have to go buy somebody else that has to then learn the system Sure, and it's it was funny on uh, also on MLB Network this morning they made uh, they made a comment that they tried to give him a, another year an extension of a year to go along with Baker that uh, those two were kind of a package deal and but on the backside of that it was like even Baker and Click didn't get along that well mm. so it was kind of an easy decision to make for the Astros to go ahead and move on and and you're right I mean you you return just about everybody other than Verlander which you you would think they would be the front runner to bring him back because right. it's all going to be due to money, but you still have Bregman, Altuve and all your studs and, and you know, you could potentially win with whoever's in the front office next year. Yeah. I mean, it's very possible. And, uh, and to some degree, if I don't know how accurate this is, but it could, I could see the, the argument that if you're running like a really not strict, but fairly strictly analytical, that may lend it to being it, you know, the front office being almost a little bit interchangeable. If you're going to go by these formulas to do this kind of thing. And, you know, you've got to be, have smart people up there. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I could even, I, I think you could see that it's almost like plugging another piece into the machine, not necessarily leaving a lot of room for having the personal aspect of it. Except I don't know that that's accurate, but I could see that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, and that's it's something that I hadn't thought about to where, you know, it, it like just to go back on it, and I know that sounds crazy, but, I mean, you have a Kyle Tucker. You have a, a Bregman. I mean, that's – you you can almost overthink that situation more than, than mm. uh, just let it roll out. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, um, but anyway, that wrapped up the, the season – free agency started what i guess yesterday um which is not the same as any other sports free agency because half the time on free agency for the nfl or nba you know 18 people sign and all <laughs> yeah these, all these deals seem to have gotten done in this period where they're not supposed to be talking to anybody um it's going to be a much longer process for for baseball um but in relation to that um Derek Gould dug into the payroll situation and to, to, to maybe set that up a little bit, because I think everybody knows it's listening to the show, but let's set it up just in case. Um, at the end of the year, at the end of the year press conference, which was what it was, it was two, it was a couple weeks ago. I think we talked about it on my show. Um, John Moselock made the point three or four, five times, maybe that payroll was going up. And 
usually Mo is more circumspect with that. You know, we'll see what opportunities are out there. We have flexibility, blah, 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 blah. But it's never, they don't usually come out and say, hey, we're going to spend more money. And so most everybody read that as, hey, they're going to be players in the free agent market because they've got X amount of dollars to spend. Um, Derek Gould got into the payroll. And when you talk about how the Cardinals do their accounting, um, honestly, it doesn't seem like it's... And then to what at least Derek, and I'm assuming it's from the sources and the people that he's talked to has a reasonable idea of where they might actually move their payroll. There's not as much of a gap there as we were thinking, at least when, when the first uh, Mo was making his first comments. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, it, just like we were talking about before. I mean, it's, it's, the, to come out as bold as it is and says, yeah, it's going up. I mean, it was natural to assume that like, okay, wait, hey, they they they've got the message that they're close. They want to push their way over. Let's let's get this done to where uh, now some of those big big names that are out there. That's probably going to be out of their price range, right? Per se. You know, which which means you know is is Quintana going to be back in play at this point? Is you know the because. It sounds like, you know, it, as boldly as he said, Edmund was the shortstop. I, we feel like that's probably the decision, and that takes away anybody that we had, that we talked about. Also, kind of kind of makes me think that there are going to be major players in the trade market, which sometimes I think they prefer that anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, there's no doubt that they prefer that anyway, because then they see the contract that they're going to be taking on instead of signing it with the, the risk of, of maybe losing on one of those. Um but yeah, it seems like there was a little bit of mixed signals on that. But it's one of those to where you can he can always go back and say, "Hey, I said it was going up." But as like you and I talked about, this seems like it's more out of necessity than need, or than want necessity than want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think where payroll is at now, like that, is pretty much already there. And uh, you know, I just don't. I get the way that you know Derek got into it. And I understand in general thinking, especially as an accountant, what they are doing with their payroll. You know, the $16 million that Nolan Arenado is, is the Rockies are paying this year actually was for his last year's salary, which is, I mean, weird the way this thing was written up. Contracts are strange. You know, I'm sure it had to do with cash flows and and all this kind of stuff. Um, So they're not using it in their calculations for this year because they don't they actually are having to pay out 35 million dollars of 2023 money or whatever um but i don't know that we saw them use that 16 million dollars for you know when it was for i guess it was 2021 which i mean again you had the pandemic they had so we don't really it's not necessarily completely apples to apples comparison but still it feels like anytime this, you know, in the past where this money has been applied, we haven't necessarily seen it. And now that we're getting that money, the Cardinals are saying, well, that was for the past. We can't, you know, our payroll is still 165 right now. Yeah. Um, instead of what some calculations were showing, you know, with that 16 million, with the $10 million deferred from Adam Wainwright, you know, there was a, 50 to $60 million gap, you know, uh, fairly reasonably being 
tossed around, not just, you know, pie in the sky type thinking. But when you, you know, all of a sudden $26 million of that is money that you thought was deferred or being paid from the other team, all of a sudden that's gone. And you're down to about $20 million between what they already have uh, committed and what they're probably their top payroll is. It's really, like you said, it's really hard to see how they do. Boy, it's almost hard to see how they do anything, right? To You know, when you want, you still want a good pitcher, you still want a bat, and you still want a catcher. And, you know, does that mean they have to go after Wilkins and Contreras because he's two of those three things, even though it's questionable how much of his bat is not tied to being a catcher? Um, you know, you're right. Is it is it Quintana versus, you know... Rondon um yeah you know and if that's the case do you bother I mean you've already got five pitchers plus the depth that you have is bringing Quintana back going to make that much of a difference you know it's it, it really takes you from hey this could be an interesting post off season to this is more of the same but more disappointing because I set up ex- expectations whether they meant to or not Sure, 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 sure. And that's that that that's what concerns me, especially when you see the grumbling on just about everything that they do. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's tough because you, it's tough to kind of um, kind of placate that situation just because they're the ones that broadcast that there were there right. was going to be movement. Right. And you do a situation where you have a Trey Turner out there, you have a potentially now you do have a Verlander out there, and you have a Correa uh, among others, and you say you're going to spend money, and you're like, hey, these are some holes that we have. I mean, I'm one of those that, that still thinks they're so, that I, I don't want to use the term cheap, but I still think that they're so conservative that I just think that the qualifying offer to Wilson Contreras probably takes him out of play. Yeah. Because yeah. I think they value that draft pick so much, and I just don't think the upside uh, the upside of it is enough to, to trump what they've historically kept as important of keeping those draft picks, and, you know, especially to a, to a Cubs organization. You know, I just don't think that's going to happen. I also think it was telegraphed a little bit by them talking to Christian Vasquez. I mean, it's that was one of the first meetings. And I know they're going to say, well, we meet with everybody. But that was the one that was public. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that also plays in line of, hey, you can probably afford him pretty quickly. Um, a question I have for you, because the payroll, honestly, I will say this. This isn't self-deprecating. This is just the truth. Is a little over my head because I always wonder the operating costs that we don't see in running our organization. But you as an accountant, I do want to ask you this. Would they wreck their team in five years if for two years they had a $200 million payroll? I can't imagine. I mean, that's, that's what baffles me. Yeah. I mean, you're right. There are a lot of costs that don't go into payroll. I mean, as far as I know, and again, I, you know, obviously we're not, none of us are, are privy to what their sure. financial statement looks like. Well, yeah. And mainly because they're not public. Right. Right. No. Um, but the Cardinals did take on the obligation of the stadium more than some, I mean, it was not a publicly funded stadium. It had publicly funded parts, but for the most part, that's their money. I mean, they're paying debt service payments on the stadium still. So that's in there, you know, fairly or not, you know, you could see that ballpark village is related to that. I mean, they're paying on that too, even though they're receiving money. Now they could keep those in separate piles. I don't, you know, hundred percent know how much separate there are. Yeah. But yeah. You're talking about, you know, they've talked in the past about the money they've used, you know, in international academies and, 
and things of that nature that they do. There, there are other costs, but I can I am very, I mean, this is a, this is a team that brought in three and a half million dollars or three and a half million people last year. Um, I can't believe they are running things so close to the bone that they couldn't do an extra. I mean, if they're going to go 185 this year, say that's a thing. Could they go an extra 15 million for two years? I I can't see that $30 million is going to kill them. Right. Um, but, and I mean, that's even, I think, uh, Jeff Jones had it out. I think the, um, the lux, the first luxury tax is at, uh, 225 million. So if you hit 200 million, you're not even more close to that tax. You're not, you know, sure. running the risk of that. So yeah, I, I mean, you could do that. Um, but you know, they're just, they're just not going to, it doesn't seem like. Sure. And you know, and it's funny, we, we honestly, I'm not sure you could, I'm not sure this is the best phrase, but we can't argue with the results because honestly, the results haven't been what we've all wanted anyway, and that's a late yeah. playoff push. Yeah. But the sustained success means a lot to me because the three years without the uh, playoffs were miserable, and it's and that's just not what you've come to expect with the organization, especially under the DeWitts. And and to me, I'm a big fan of Mo. I feel I feel like um, he's top notch, and and you, you got see a guy that doesn't play his cards and, and sticks to his guns and, and they've, and, and it's a successful, mm. um, it, it, it's a successful playbook, but there's times where you, you do, we have this conversation every year of when does frugal Trump competitiveness a little bit, especially with, you know, they have outliers of information that we just don't have on some of these. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times maybe the contracts aren't worth it. I I don't see that situation with maybe a Trey Turner. Um, some may do. You know, there's others. You know, a one-year deal of a strikeout guy with Verlander who seems like he's here to stay makes a lot of sense for the Cardinals. Um, you know, catcher, I, I'm still not completely convinced that Wilson Contreras is the best move they could make regardless. Right. Right. You know, one of those. But there are options out there to get them better. And, I mean, I will say this. I – I wouldn't say I was anti to the deal. I was just completely skeptical that they were really in the waters. But look what Bryce Harper has done for Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. He's a superstar. I mean, you know, maybe the guys that are out right now aren't that aren't that vain, but they've missed out on these guys that honestly only cost money. And that's where it gets a little bit of frustration for me. Yeah, I mean, the Harper miss, I mean, I can, the Scherzer miss was big. I mean, but that was a number of years ago. And I understand that. I mean, I'm not talking about it's like recent contract to the Mets, which is another story, but the, the original con time, what, when he went to the nationals and yeah, really interested in coming to St. Louis, they didn't bother to answer. And they, they've even said that was a mistake, but you know, okay, I could get you that. I mean, you've got a five year, you're going to commit, you know, I don't know what it was, probably 25, $30 million at that time, even right to a pitcher. That's, that's a gamble. I mean, they, it's a gamble they probably should have made, but it's a gamble. But, you know, Harper with his track record and everything of that nature and what he wanted. I mean, the the fact that a player was looking for a place to be long term to set up roots. I mean, that's that just feels like that's the kind of Cardinals, you know, even personality wise should have gone for. So and, and we talked about it quite a bit at that time. Yeah, they that would have been. We would be having a lot different discussions if they had done that now. Um, 
you know, granted that might mean that there's no Nolan Arenado, which is a little bit frustrating, but sure. You know, maybe not. Cause I mean, you know, I, I don't know. That's, it's a whole different third. You get, you start making, well, if they do this, then that throws, you know, future things all into a mess. But, you know, they do like to say, and, and it's true that they're successful, you know, St. Louis is a successful place. We expect teams to be good. You know, we were talking earlier about the fact that we don't even think about this draft lottery because that's not in the nature of the Cardinals. Yeah. We're going to, they're going to be a, you know, 500 or better team. They're going to be in the playoff hunt or they're going to be in the playoffs. But part of what St. Louis is, is also postseason success. And if you take out that 10 run inning against the Braves in 19 in game five, you know, there's a chance you're talking about what the uh, thir- 14, 14 um, NLCS is the last time you've gotten past the first round. Um, that's not good. I mean, I, yeah. I know that I know the postseason is crapshoot, and I know that there are times where, like this season, the you know you could argue the Cardinals were a better team than the Phillies, and it didn't matter at the right time, but you put yourself in a position where, you know, the odds are in your favor. And I don't think the Cardinals have ever done that where the odds are so drastically in their favor. I mean, again, that could blow up in your face. I mean, the Dodgers have done a lot and they've only won world world title. Um, But they're playing, they've been in a couple of series. They're, they're playing deep into October and, that's more than the Cardinals are doing right now because the Cardinals get to the postseason. I mean, we've talked about it. It's been a long time since you thought the Cardinals were kind of favored for anything more than a, you know, a cursory appearance. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I go back to uh, where we, we talked after uh, they blew the lead in game one on that Saturday (laughs) morning to where, you know, he was, he was scuffling, but you knew Harper was going to sting him. Right. And it was one of those, he's, like, he's too good to lay down, like like Vintage Pujols. You just knew at some point he was going to hurt you. And, you know, even with, I can't stand to say this, even with Arnado and Goldschmidt, you don't always get that feeling with them. And I, I think that's probably because we have them under the microscope and we see it day in and day out. So we see the typical baseball where you fail more than you succeed, you know, and that's that's just how the game goes. And we only see some of the other guys that come through, you know, you know, once or twice a year, you know, in, in the Harper situation where you just, I mean, it, bottom line is you just knew that he was going to do something big and you just, you never feel, I guess we're never going to be satisfied because that guy could come over and we would still see the failures more than the successes, sure. but it's sure. still, you're just like, these guys are out here. And now we're, where we have gone from last year, this outfield that they've been preparing so hard for that has finally arrived. Well, now they're looking for an outfielder again, and we're wondering where Newt Bar is going to play. Right. You know what I mean? One of those situations. It's just never stable, which it, it possibly could be, which is, you know, by signing the right guy. So you you have to replace Albert Pujols' production, especially in the second half. You have to assume that Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt are not going to be MVP candidates next year, at least not both yeah. of them, right? You have to accept that. You know, there's going to be a little bit of a step down, maybe more for Goldie than for for Nolan, but there's going to be probably a reduction in, in that. Um, you, you kind of feel like 
Miles Michaels will probably in the same vein that he was this year, maybe a little bit worse. You you hope that Flaherty's better, you know, and healthy and all that kind of stuff. You've got Montgomery for a whole year, but when you look at this team as it is right now, it's hard to say. Well, you can get us a, a little, you know, a small a piece here that's you know a ten million dollar piece here and a ten million dollar piece there, and you're you know a favorite to win the division again. I mean, you might be because, you know, three of the teams in the division are, we'll see what the Cubs do. Definitely two of the teams in the division are very weak. The Cubs are kind of iffy. And then the Brewers might wind up trading off Corbin Burns this offseason. Um, so you might be in favor to be win the division just by default. Yeah. As we've seen, that doesn't get you any anywhere else. You've got to plan for a team that's going to be deep in the postseason. You'd like to be one of those top two teams. So you can at least get into that second round of the playoffs without any problem. Um, and I don't see that $20 million is going to move the needle enough on this team to make it one of those teams. Yeah. And, and, and it's one of those also situations where even with a good, I felt like a great um, trade deadline this year that they've had for the first mm-hmm. time in several years, I still don't have the confidence in them that they're going to improve midway to where to keep them from not doing it now. And I feel like that may be the mindset to see how they perform. If not, we can adjust. And I don't, I don't know if you can just bank on that. Um, you, you, I, I think there's enough of the tea leaves that, that right now that you can say that they're pretty content with going with what they have. Now I know that we're going to get into it here in a little bit, but just go and buy silver slugger and, you know, gold glove rankings. They're pretty good. Yeah. Um, pretty good could be great. You know, if you add the right person, you know, and they, and sometimes I, I feel like they shield themselves from that because they just don't want to get over a number that they predetermined to do. And, and sometimes I can, I feel like that's, that's awfully frugal. Yeah. I mean, it does feel like, okay, we, they're not, I don't know. And again, you know, I, I hate to get too far into the weeds because it's like, we, like every year we're like, we ought to spend this money. And then they don't, and then they're in the playoffs. And yeah. you know, yeah, well, and, yeah. and it's like, okay, well, like you said, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have Goldschmidt. We wouldn't have Goldschmidt if they'd gotten Hayward or Price, and that would have you know just been terrible, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So I get that, and I wonder how much those near misses of Hayward and Price kind of scare them a bit from these yeah. kind of, these kind of signings. Um. But I, I don't know. I, I mean, it feels like you've got to be willing to take on the opportunities when you get them. And, and again, they did with Nolan Arenado. Now, to be fair, the more I think about both Arenado and Goldschmidt, you know, they seem like big trades and they obviously are, you know, great trades that brought somebody in. But I don't know that they weren't, they were hard trades. You know what I'm saying? I think... Nolan, Nolan worked his way to St. Louis. I mean, he, he may have done more work yeah. on that trade than Mo did. Um, Goldie was a situation where, you know, they were selling and, you know, he had the spare parts. They haven't made a trade for a big guy that's hurt them, which is good, I guess. I, I don't know. I'm trying, I don't even know what I'm really trying to say. It's just that conservative nature is a good thing for the most part. I think they have to be willing to, take a risk 
And I don't know when the last time they've taken a, a real risk is. Um, because if you don't take that risk, you're not going to get the reward. You may, it may not, it may blow up in your face, but you know, I think maybe, I think if they had signed Bryce Harper to a big deal and he didn't produce there, I mean, there's obviously going to be a fan section of the fan base. That's really complaining. Like, what do you do this for? But I think there's another, I think a larger part of the fan base would have been, okay, you took your shot. It didn't work out but that's the shot you should have taken. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think they're just more worried about stuff not working out than they are what they might get out of it. Yeah. And I, you know, I feel like we've said this over the last five or six years as well. You know, mm-hmm. that's, they're just, they're risk averse They, you know, they just, they're, they're not willing to make that gamble, you know, right. and that's, and that, and I agree with you. I think that that one big move, like here's are, I don't know. I say this because I think the injury history would be the bigger issue here. But if you feel you're good and you have the silver sluggers and you have your gold gloves and what you need is that strikeout guy, I mean, what stops you from going to DeGrom? Yeah. You know what I mean by that? And that that's one of those moves that you're just like, hey, if that was the signing they made, they'll be like, okay, we'll figure out the offense. I think now I understand that's that's also eliminating some of his injury history, which may not yeah. be the right thing to do. Yeah, but you that's one of those that's the pedal to the metal move. I think that you could that you could do that. You'd be like, hey, you took your shot. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, I, I think I do think the injury history is is probably enough of a hesitation. I think it you know, like last year with Scherzer, if if Scherzer's out there this year, I think you go for it even at $40 million a year for two or three years um, because you're that close. You, you do that kind of guy. Uh, and Grom, maybe, I mean, I, I get that. I do. Yeah. The injury history worries me a bit. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was like two or three years ago and he's had a healthy year, but yeah, hurt last year. So, and they're weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's one of those, there's never really an answer on why he's out. No, but when he's there, yeah, mean, you're and, and maybe, you know, financially it's not great. But, you know, the Cardinals have arms in their system, not necessarily, you know, obviously it'd be a drop off, but you can maybe, you, you get a DeGrom and all of a sudden you've already got six starters, not counting people like Hudson and Libertor and all those yeah. kind of things. You know, if DeGrom gets hurt, you know, you at least have a average to maybe slightly above average, depending on who you're talking about person to plug in you're not having to bring up somebody from triple a that's you know never pitched before i don't know that that's a selling point or not but it is something to you know the the chain the drop off if he is hurt may not be as severe as it would be at some other teams but um yeah i mean it's just difficult when like we said if mo had come out and said the same stuff that he normally did then i don't think I don't think expectations would have been as high. I mean, they've been grumbling. It's like, why aren't they spending? I sure. But when you come out and set those expectations, you know, in a manner, and he didn't, if, if Mo would come out and say payroll is going to go up in part because, you know, we've got these, you know, we've got this rate. We're not counting, you know, if they'd laid it out to start with, okay. We were like, mm. But to say it's going up, 
while, you know, <laughs> kind of putting a little asterisk up there and a little small little footnote later on that says, because it has to. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the frustrating part. Yeah, exactly. And it, like I said, I think that there's, that's what causes some slight disconnect of the, the rally back will be, well, we told you it was going up, you know, and yeah. we weren't lying. Yeah. You know, one of those things, but you know, it was because it had to, you know, one of the, that's, that's where a little bit of frustration comes from it, but, and it kind of does put a little bit of a damper on the off season, but we know, we know that they have to improve in several areas and they've targeted pitching, catching and an outfielder. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to see, you know, the, the one that three years ago I would have been all over because I just think he would have been a perfect fit in St. Louis is Brantley. And he may be one of those that this yeah. year is the one that falls into their lap, but I'm not sure he's better than not playing a Gorman as your DH every day, you know, type or your left-handed DH. So, so I don't know. There's there's going to be names out there. It's still going to be fun, but it does take you out of that big name market that you thought, okay, they're going for a World Series title at this point. Right. Yeah. It does. It just feels like that's just another off season, you know, to some degree. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, you exactly. Know, that's you know they'll sign somebody in December that's a middle middle range guy and then they'll probably pick up some gamble bat like a Corey Dickerson in January, you know, not that or not, you know, that kind of player, maybe a little bit, hopefully a little bit better. And then they'll, you know, you're right. They'll probably sign Vasquez first actually. And then they'll go to this for training and say, well, we got, well, we've checked everything off. It's like, yeah, you did. But in the most, you know, unexciting way possible. Um, so I don't know. I think I think if they're expecting, and I surely they're not, but if they're expecting Adam Wainwright to have the same kind of impact on attendance, the farewell tour as Pujols and Molina, then they're they're crazy. I mean, I mean, I love Adam Wainwright. I Adam Wainwright is just as important to this organization as those two guys are, but Adam Wainwright only pitches every five days and you know when he's going to pitch. Um, you know, you don't have to come to the ballpark and hope that, you know, Adam Wainwright's going to come out of the bullpen or something like that. You know, you can come and see him start. And so, yeah, there may, his starts might be a little bit more attendance attended, but you know, what about the other four days? Um, you know, you're not going to get that like you did with Pujols and Molina. Um, I mean, some of it, you're, you're still going to draw 3.1 3.2 i don't think that's any big issue i think that's especially if the team's good but you know i don't know and, and, and they've said they're caught up from the the pandemic uh, hopefully they are but it just feels like they can make a bigger step and and again that's because we don't necessarily see everything but overall and it's not our money which is the, it's also the biggest thing exactly no but um but then again, I mean, on the other side of this, you know, we've talked about it a little bit. How, how close is this team? You know, is it a, a situation where one big bat would put them into contention as, you know, one of the top two teams that, or one strikeout pitcher? I, I don't know. Um, it would probably take a couple of two or three pieces and they're not going to go out and spend, 20 or $30 million on two or three different pieces. Um, you know, they might do it on one, but they're not going to do multiple contracts like that. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, I do feel like they're close. Um, you, I, you feel like Philadelphia got hot at the right time, which yeah. may give them a little bit more false hope that they could do that because I, I feel like they think that they won in 06 and 11 by doing that. 
and that yeah. that's just kind of how it goes. You still on paper feel like you're quite a bit behind the Dodgers. You have to worry about the Padres. Um, you know, that's just, just off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one of those that you just, it's interesting to see the competitiveness factor on this, to see what, uh, what directions they, uh, they will go where they can go and, and how much they want to put the pedal to the metal. And it sounds like that's already kind of been uh, um, regulated a little bit by the inability to go past the money threshold to do it. So, you know, I, you know, I'm not sure. I think that they're going to be big in the, in the, uh, I think in the, they're going to clear up some of this through the trade market of, of, uh, of uh, at least one of those avenues where they need to improve but other than that i think we're looking at second tier on just about the other two yeah what do you think this and maybe it's not a discussion for today but you know when there was some thought of the cardinals going out and getting a trey turner or a korea or somebody like that um you know that was that okay tommy edmund maybe second and there was no place for paul de if yeah. you go to sign a contract, a new, new guy, there just wasn't. Does this, if they, assuming they don't now, which I think is a fairly safe assumption, you know, that you're going to run Tommy Edmond and, you know, maybe Brendan Donovan and, you know, without the shift, it's going to be very interesting to see how much they use um, Gorman out there. But, um, you know, does that mean Paul DeYoung? I mean, there's, they keep talking about, hey, He's coming to spring training. He's got to do some stuff this winter, but it really kind of <laughs> still sounds like Paul DeYoung still in their plans. I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> they're never going to embarrass the guy. They, I felt like you're probably pushed to make a a comment on that. I I thought the same thing. I mean, it sounds like hey, you're going to be left out on here unless you just completely blow us away. Um, are we convinced that that could happen in spring? Well. As, uh, as unlucky as we are, he probably will have a hot spring and put himself into the mix. Yeah. I, I feel like for player and club, a change of scenery would be beneficial. Um, but it, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not so, I didn't get that feeling from there. And I feel like they're trying to, to uh, trump that competition. But how many more of those, hey, he, you, you need to win us over off seasons does he need to have? Yeah. Well, you know I mean, mean, how many chances yeah. does he need? I mean, I, you know, started, I've been doing the, exit interviews getting them ready they come and start rolling out this week and you know wrote his and you know i think we kind of remember he hit like he hit really well in spring training yeah or something like that and then we thought okay this is back and it was against i guess triple a pitchers and yeah um and other things like that yeah i don't i don't know it is interesting that i think that mo pointed out to him and tyler and neil both it's like hey they've got to do some work this off season that kind of stuff um, we're, you know, we're optimistic, but they need to do X and Y or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I, you're right. I think I can't imagine, especially a guy that has in the past said he thinks about stuff too much and, you know, kind of gets in his head. I can't imagine that starting somewhere else wouldn't be better for yeah. him. Um, you know, that said, nobody's gonna take on, I think it's $9 million for next year. Yeah. I think that's the biggest factor at this point that it kind of gets overlooked. Yeah. I mean, if, if the Cardinals could trade him off, they still have to probably pay 6 million. And so they're probably to the point of, well, if we're going to pay him 6 million to play somewhere else, we'll pay him 9 million to sit on our bench and, you know, be some sort of defensive replacement. Uh, 
I think more than the money, the roster spot could be an issue, but uh, especially since you can't send him to Memphis this year. Um, but we'll see. We'll yeah. see. I, I think that's always going to be a, an interesting thing. I, I, I feel like probably you kind of default him back to having him as your, you know, your bench guy. But, you know, again, if he can't hit, there's no point in having him as a bench bat. And, you know, his, his glove is good, but I mean, do you really just want to carry a guy just to, be the defensive replacement for Tommy Edmond who can win a gold glove. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, before we're getting close to the end of our time here, and we spent a lot of time on payroll, let's talk a little bit about uh, a couple of the other stories that have come around, um, came out yesterday, you know, minor leaguers were able to, you know, eligible minor leaguers were able to elect free agency. And, you know, the big one that has that's going to get attention, and fairly so, is Delvin Perez. You know, former first-round pick, um, just never really panned out. They got him to AAA this year, um, but it felt almost a little bit more like just because we got to see if he can do anything because time's running out. Um, that was one that it just felt like, okay, they, they kind of took a gamble that he had had, um, if I remember right, and Kyle can correct me some point in time as I'm sure he will. But if I remember right before, you know, he fell in the draft because there were some performance enhancing drug issues. Um, And then, I mean, honestly, I mean, if you want to look at it just, you know, (laughs) in some way, maybe that was part of what got him to the point because he never did. He never did really show a lot um, while he was in the minor leagues. Yeah, this, the hit tool never came around. I mean, it's mm-hmm. athletically he was there. Defensively, he was there. Um, I I was really impressed by watching him play. But, yeah, that bottom line, he just couldn't hit. Um, the, uh, he did a little bit at times. And last year, they put, played him as a utility guy. And he, he showed a little bit of upside on that. But, you know, the time and run out, it's, it's, it's always tough to see those guys. I remember <laughs> having the talk. And, man, it was – a year after he was drafted about how they were grooming him to be the next guy and how quick could he make it type situation, yeah. which always worries you about the Mason wins of the world. And uh, it just, yeah, it didn't happen. And you just hope the best for the player, you know, going out the door. But yeah, that, it, it still did surprise me when I saw that today, especially that he considering he was a triple a all year last year's utility guy. And thought, well, they were trying to find something out of it, but maybe that was the last ditch effort or, or obviously it was last ditch effort, whichever way you look at it. Yeah, I think it was, I mean, reading here the story, you know, Mason Wynn made it up to AA in, in May, and they kind of just kind of pushed him up to class AAA, in part because there wasn't a spot for him to play at regular yeah. season. He see if he could be that utility guy. And, yet, you know, and, I mean, will he catch on somewhere else? Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't be too surprised if somebody else doesn't give him a chance because I want to say he's still, yeah, he's 23, you know, because they signed him so young. Yeah. So, I mean, he's just now kind of, he's still got some development time. So somebody will probably take a chance on him and, you know, see if he can't, uh, and, and maybe he'll do something. He'll probably, you know, come around and develop for somebody else who knows, but uh, it's understandable that the Cardinal, uh, you know, there was only so much they could do. I mean, he could have stuck around, I guess, because you have to elect free agency, but um, it was definitely, I mean, when you see Mason win behind you and you got Tommy Edmund in front of you and, there, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, spots at this organization. Uh, yeah. So that, that makes sense. Um, most of the other names aren't necessarily ones. I mean, they're kind of familiar, but nothing that just hugely stands out. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, we've been talking about him as a catcher for quite, 
you know, a couple of years as a, a potential guy. Um, he's free agent now. Um, a couple of veterans, unsurprisingly, Corey Spangenberg and uh, TJ McFarland elected it. I, I expect Corey Spangenberg to be a uh, Miami pretty soon because um, I think one of the only reasons the Cardinals signed him is because he was friends with Skip Schumacher. Uh, and with Skip managing over there, he'll probably get – he may be on the coaching staff more than in playing, but uh, wouldn't be surprised. Um, and the Johan Quazeda, that was the one that was really interesting. You know, they picked him up a couple years ago, a guy that's like eight foot tall or whatever. Uh, he, he, yeah. he threw hard. I, I just, you know, it just never all clicked. Yeah. The, uh, cause we were excited about that thinking I was going to be a late inning guy. It's going to be huge uh-huh. and it just never worked out. And, you know, didn't he miss a, a whole chunk of one of the seasons due to injury or some kind of odd injury? I can't remember what it was, Maybe. but yeah, um, the, uh, the uh, but yeah, just it's never worked out. And you know, you it's always one of those you're more worried about. Well, you know, that, that out of a job than it was of hey, we're missing out on this guy type situation. When you see yeah. it's a minor league free agent type situation. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They got him from the Phillies um, way back when. Can't really see that. I can't. So, hmm. so anyway. Um, a few names out there. Like I said, they got to clear the rosters. Um, it's interesting that, you know, TJ McFarlane came back after and played minor league ball. I think that was kind of telling. Um, but, you know, like after he cleared waivers, he came back, played for Memphis. Wasn't much better. So I kind of think TJ may be done. Um, Cardinals won gold gloves. Uh, they won. It's kind of fun that Tommy Edmond, the first person to be nominated for two gold gloves and didn't win either one. Um, <laughs> which, you know, talk, listen to talking about bird guys, I think it's fair. There had to be some split voting, right? I mean, the people yeah. voted for him at, at second and didn't vote for him at utility and some vice versa. If he'd been in one spot, he probably wins one. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and that's, you know, he's, he's renowned for the glove now. And I think that's, that would be, uh, I, I think that's a huge, Upside to Edmund. I mean, I, yeah, anybody that listens to the show knows that I'm a big Edmund fan anyway. But, uh, yeah, would have loved to have seen him win one because it's one of those you think he, he wins it at either position, probably wins it for a long time. But, uh, you know, I guess you can't argue with the results much more than that, considering that you you have a guy that everybody's fallen in love with, with Donovan, that did do it. Yeah. Yeah, Donovan getting it at utility was – I, I got to admit a little bit surprised. Like I really – I mean, I thought that would be Tommy, but um, definitely a guy that has made an impact. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're starting to get that, like we've kind of talked about some of those, some of the middle infields getting a little crowded, um, maybe another reason why the Colonels don't go get a, a big name guys. Cause trying to figure out where the parts go. Now I think that's, you know, something you just, you get the talent and worry about it later, but you know, Mason Wynn coming up, you've already got, you know, Donovan and, um, Edmund and you've got Gorman that you want to play in that middle infield spot. So, um, it should be fairly well represented there next year. I would, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it's, uh, it, I, I think that's here to stay, you know, and that's a, you kind of wonder how that fits into their, uh, um, how that fits into their uh, plans for the off season, you know, what kind of defensive first guy? Cause I think that they've fallen in love with that. And that probably means that would be the focus on whoever they bring in as a catcher too. Yeah, 
I think that, I mean, and that's another, you know, that's another hit to Wilson Contreras. And I'm like you, I'm not big on, I don't know that he fits at all on this team, but yeah. I think the biggest thing there is, yeah, that there's going to be a drop off on defense from Yadier Molina anyway. I mean, just the whole, the whole thing, it's just going to be different, but it doesn't have to be that much of a drop off. Sure. Right. I mean, it didn't have yeah. to go from one of the best to kind of iffy. While we were on here, I was looking and, and Vasquez, I don't know. I, something just tells me that, 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 that that's just going to be, that that's going to be the move. I don't know why yeah. I feel like that early. I feel like the defense first production with a little bit of pop was questionable because it was in 20, I guess it was last year. Uh, a lot of it at Fenway, you know, the, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know. The, I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those to where I feel like that's the low hanging fruit that they can get. And, the, you know, Murphy may, the cost that he comes off with, but it's a, it's a, a team that they've done deals with prior, which kind of makes me think that that may be the two, but I, I don't, I don't know if it gets much further than that. You know, I don't, I don't know why that's just my gut feeling. That'll be one of those two. And then, yeah, uh, yeah you know, I think you're right. Mid margin on the on the rest of the guys. I I just, just I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel about it. I mean, it's. Uh, I wish I could remember, and I don't want to search it right now. But some of the projections that he would make on a uh, on a contract, and it was a, a two year deal, and I was like, if they can do that, they're going to fall in love with it because then you have that. Hey, now we don't have a rush Herrera, and, and Kisner is going to be the perpetual backup that will be there for you ever and maybe the next manager type situation. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the kind of feeling that I get now. Of that's how they're going to sell that. So, so I don't know. I mean, I just feel like that's, that's the move that they're going to make. And I just feel like it's, it's pretty obvious where a couple of weeks ago when we made the comment of Contreras kind of feels like Dexter Fowler a little bit to where mm-hmm. it's just, it's just too easy for them not to do. I just feel like there's now too many blockades, a being that he's probably not as good as we think he is. And two, he has that qualifying offer. So I, I feel like that's that's probably out of their market, out of their league. I, I, I hope that's not the way that they extend themselves and, and get out of their comfort zone. I just feel like Vasquez is being out there, being available on a short-term deal just makes a lot of sense. And if you want to maybe move a little bit of the the talent that we may or that we think that may be a little bit convoluted, maybe blocked – for a Murphy, I could see them doing that as well. Yeah, I think I think Vasquez makes sense, and it's. I mean, I'm looking at him right now, and you know, even if he's no great shakes, I mean, he right the last couple of years he's averaged around 1.5, 1.6 of offensive WAR, at least on Baseball Reference. That's where I'm looking at. Um, from what Yadier Molina has given offensively over the last couple of years, that's that's a huge upgrade, right? I mean, and that's a great point. And that that's stuff that I haven't thought about just because a lot of times you forget offensive, you, you, you forget that there's two sides of the ball, you know, right. with Molina a little bit, he just had so much weight and leadership and, and took all those things that you realize that the, uh, the clutch hits kind of overshadowed the lackluster offense that we've had right. the last couple of years. I mean, I hate to say it like that, but. No, I mean, it's absolutely true. I mean, you know, Yachty still could come up in big situations and get you a hit. But, I mean, it was uh, it was slap singles for the last year or two, right? I mean, yeah. occasionally you get into one, hit five homers last year. Um, but, you know, two in one game. Um, it just, you know, offensively, 
you're not going to find anybody, you know, probably not going to find anybody. I mean, a catcher, it's possible. I mean, you know, if we had Austin Romine for a whole year, that would probably be offensively worse than what you'd seen out of the last couple years. But if you're getting a catcher off the free agent market, you're probably going to be able to find somebody that did better than Yachty did. So, you know, defensively, like you said, it's going to be a step down, but from Vesquez's reputation, it's maybe less of a step than you would have some others. So you're right. That's just money. They don't have to give up prospects for it. Um, you know, maybe they can do something with, with Murphy, but they're still talking. There's so much around him. It feels like it maybe starts to be a little bit of a bidding war. Um, yeah. That's what the Cardinals do. Yeah. And we know how, the, yeah, you're exactly right. Hit the nail on the head. That's just not their MO. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, you know, even when it's almost one of those, you know, you, you hate to see the headlines of Toronto's going to deal a catcher because, boy, you're going to hear a lot about that now. Yeah. You know, one of those. And that's when I saw that. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be linked in a, in, the, in a big way. And you, you kind of wonder, are those – I guess anything's an upgrade at this point. And I know that that throws a lot of shade on Molina, but he was 40 years old. Right. You know, that's right. and I get it. And that's just, I mean it that way, not in the talking down to a, to a, a red jacket member here, you know, soon. No. So that, I don't mean it like that. It's, but you're right. I mean, the minute that headline came out, I was like, anything that has a catcher on it, that's that, that makes the headlines. The Cardinals are going to be drawn to it. I don't know. I've necessarily know if those are the right moves. Is it surprising to you? So it was a little bit to me that the Cardinals were so adamant about a catcher with Kisner and Herrera. You know, I mean, if you're signing a catcher, like I said, you're you're pretty much assuming that Kisner's going to be your backup, which yeah, you know, means that his development, if there is any more development for Kisner, and I don't know if there is, but he's young, so it's possible. It's it's to the point where he's not going to be a starting catcher probably ever. Yeah, um, and then Herrera, you know, he already spent most, if not all, this year in Memphis. I think he's all year in Memphis, except for the little bit of time he was in St. Louis. Not saying that he doesn't need more time in Memphis, but you know, if he starts to hit next year in the first half, you know, I, I just it was interesting to me that the I could see the Cardinals making a move for a catcher, but I'm a little bit surprised that they telegraphed the move for a catcher. Yeah, and that's. It, it surprised me as well because just like the – I felt like you could probably – I hope this makes sense. Whenever he immediately – when Mo immediately said, who's your starting shortstop next year, and he came out with Edmund. Right. I feel like you could have probably done that with Kisner while also still looking. You know what I mean by that? Right, right. And just right. giving some support and showing that, hey, we believe in you. That that would be the, the situation. I wonder now, and I'm trying to, there's one name that sticks out on the top of my head, and I'm sure there are other guys out here that are like that. And I mean, it could be even a David Ross type situation with not as much talent type deal. Mm-hmm. Do you see Kisner being that guy that they all think of so highly that he will be a Cardinal for his whole career, but never be the starter, always be the perpetual backup, always being the shoulder to lean on, kind of like a Ross, Tyler Flowers. You notice one of those catchers that you just know you're going to get some stability out of that's never going to be the superstar but is going to be your safety valve. Is that ever – I mean, can you see that at all with him? I don't know why that's the gut feeling I got when they made those comments. Not that Kisner's out the door. It's just we value you in other ways. I mean, it's possible. 
I think I, I remember reading in baseball perspectives a lot of times the you know the brotherhood of backup catchers. And yeah, that maybe that's that's fine. But the 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 thing about the brotherhood of backup catchers is they don't stay in one place. Yeah. So you know if Kisner is that guy, he's not going to do it entirely with St. Louis. I mean, because there's going to come a point where he's got too much experience and too much money. And, and, you know, if he stays in St. Louis, that's, that's going to have to keep going up and they're not going to pay. He's going to bounce around. Now, is that what they're looking for? You know, they think they've got that in him now. Maybe. Um, you're right. I, I'm just very surprised. He could have easily said that. It's, Cause wasn't it like, I think it was what, just like two days before they traded for Nolan Arenado that Mo said that Matt Carpenter <laughs> was his third baseman or something like that. You yeah. know, I mean, it was like, you can say that that's what it is today. That doesn't mean that it's going to be what it is tomorrow. Sure. So to come out and say right now, Andrew Kisner's our guy, even if, even with the qualifier, people are like, Oh, huh, interesting. But you know, to come out and say, no, we, you know, we got to get better at catcher. You know, I don't know if I'm Andrew Kisner, I don't know what I'm thinking this off season. It's like, you know, I've spent my career being groomed in theory to be, uh, Yadier Molina's replacement. And now that Yadi's leaving, they don't trust me enough to do it. So I don't know. I, I, I'm sure Kisner takes it with, you know, the professionalism and all that kind of stuff. And he probably would even admit that, you know, his, his season wasn't overall that great. He had its moments, but uh, for the most part, it, it's, there were struggles. And I think there was, I think more than anything, the defensive struggles might be, um, part of it as well, but I, yeah, I'm just really surprised that they were just so, because, and again, you know, when you're talking to Oakland, when you're talking to Toronto, they know you need a catcher and yeah. that's, that's not, I mean, not that you, you know, they wouldn't figure some of that out, but when you've all publicly said, I've got to go out and get a catcher that at least weakens your hand a little bit. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a great point. And they, and they could, that it will drive up their demand and their want and their ask of what, what is in return. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, that, that even leads me more to believe that it's going to be one of the Vasquez type free agents that they bring in for, yeah. for that very reason, because you know, it's a kind of, they, the headlines made it sound like Toronto needed to trade a catcher or had to, you know, with yeah. Kirk and, and Jansen and those guys. And I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I buy it, you know, I am. Um, it's, I don't know. It, it's, Seems like there's a lot, and the minute that headline came out, I was like, "Oh, geez, I, I you know, I know what, what we're going to be reading about for a while." You know, at least it gets it off the Murphy sweepstakes a little bit. Sure. I mean, that's you know, anytime somebody's got depth, especially at a position like catcher, everybody thinks they have to trade from. I mean, we've seen that, right? The Cardinals yeah. had, you know, Kelly and um, Kisner and Herrera, all those behind Molina at the same time, and we we're like. Oh, they're going to have to, they need to, you know, they can trade one of those catchers. Well, they didn't. And now none of them may pan out, you know, I mean, uh, you're, you're kind of relying on Herrera and, you know, his first shot at the big leagues didn't go very well. Um, So, and in a situation where, you know, we talked about it last summer, you know, you have Molina gone for like what turned out to be six weeks. Why are you not playing those two guys and seeing what you have? And, and instead they, go get Austin, not Romine and let Herrera stay in Memphis. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to know what their valuation, what they really look at these guys and see what they expect out of them. Um, but 
I don't think they are so enamored with probably either one of them that they're worried about blocking them. So if, yeah, if it takes a two year deal or a three year deal for a Vasquez to get him in here, I think they do it and they don't worry too much about, you know, what happens to the guys that they already have. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. I, it, that's what's so interesting though. Cause I felt like we spent this last hour just kind of breaking down the line, the, the, the line of thought that a lot of the Cardinals have on a lot of these decisions. And, and it's funny how wrong will be, <laughs> you yeah. know, ultimately, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. That's just kind of how it feels. So I, I, I mean, we have talked ourselves into it being a more interesting offseason than I think that the show started off being. Maybe, but I also think about, you know, how often in the last couple of years we've talked them into the Cardinals are going to do something and they don't. So yeah. I think I'm getting to the point that, you know, even if they signed a Vasquez, that's almost about more than I expect out of them. You know, well, after yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, it's not too, I mean, I, I, I'm exaggerating a bit, but, you know, when you're talking about, you know, like the payroll. If we're talking about twenty million dollars this year, that doesn't get you much uh, in baseball these days. So, if that's true, if that's what they're willing to spend, you know, I don't know what what's the what's the contract rumors for Vasquez. What'd you say? Didn't you say? You know, yeah, it's let. It's going to take me a second. I was just going off baseball. Uh, yeah, um, you probably you're talking what seven, six, seven million dollars a year. I mean, well, yeah, something like that. I think it was actually two for 12 is exactly is the okay. one that what I read into it. So then you're down to 13, 12, you know, 13, 14 million yeah. dollars um, to get a bat, you know, and a power bat's going to cost that much. And then what do you do about pitching or yeah. a strikeout pitcher? Because that's the thing. You can go get Jose Quintana back. But that doesn't fix your main problem with the pitching staff, which is they don't strike anybody out. Um, so I don't, you know, if you're going to get a guy that can strike some people out and, you know, do you need to get a bullpen piece or two that do that? I, I, you know, they feel pretty confident with their bullpen pieces, I think. So, yeah. but you know, yeah. What are you going to do with Hennessy's Cabrera? You know, that kind of stuff. I, I, if they went and got a relief, a strikeout or two reliever, I don't think that would be a bad thing. But if you get, you know, Seven million dollars for a catcher, and even even three or four million for a a strikeout reliever, which is probably too low. Um, you know that's half your payroll right there. Yeah, uh, and you still haven't gotten your big bat. I that's that's what I'm saying. I just that 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 is an interesting kind of sure. if they're if they're going to stay to those limits, then that's going to be very interesting. It, it uh, maybe that they get a couple of guys and defer their salary, you know, like they're get them to, you know, backload the contracts so that, you know, they pay them out in a couple of years when they're not having to pay Paul Goldschmidt or they're not paying yeah. as much, you know, maybe that's the case. Maybe you get a bat that you pay like $6 million to this year and $12 million to next year and $18 million to the year after. I mean, something like that, but you know, there are ways to get around, but you know, on the whole, it's, it's kind of, it's going to take that kind of, uh, financial gymnastics to, to get that done. Um, before we wrap it up, we've started running a little long now, but the Cardinals did, uh, like I said, they won their gold gloves. Goldie, uh, no, yeah, Arenado did, um, and Donovan did. Um, you had Goldie and Arenado win silver sluggers. Arenado won his platinum glove. 
uh, Goldie Arnado or MVP candidates. Uh, Brendan Donovan's up for Rookie of the Year. I was a little bit surprised, not entirely because of, of the way things works, but I feel like Ollie Marmol needed to get a little bit more recognition for the year that he had than to not make it in the top three of Manager of the Year. Yeah, yeah, that's I hadn't really thought about it that much, but yeah, yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense. You're coming in, you know, after a little bit of controversy of the change of not a lot of clarity of why they made a change with manager to come in and and then to manage the veterans to do it. I mean, that's yeah. that's a great point. I mean, that that would be a difficult situation. I kind of think that shows the respect that the clubhouse and the front office has in him. And uh, you're right, he probably did deserve more. And that's something that I hadn't thought about until you said it. Yeah, I mean, you got a, t- a team that wins 90-plus games and you're dealing with, you know, Farrell sort of from Molina and Pujols. And, you know, I just, yeah. I mean, I get that, you know, the, the three that are, not, are at the top were three teams that won like 100 games. And, you know, it's not a big surprise that they, you know, what's, what was, wouldn't it show Walter Snickner and, uh, well, uh, Roberts, isn't that the three? I'm thinking. Mm, yeah, I don't even remember. <laughs> I think it is. You know, the, yeah. you know, the one one hundred. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure they had their own challenges. I mean, Showalter definitely had his challenges. Besides the fact, you know, coming into a, a situation with the Mets that it's just a mess uh, at times, and to you know, kind of really give that culture or something. Um, but you know, they also spend a lot of money in the offseason. And then the Braves are coming off a World Series win. And yeah, they got better, but they're coming off a World Series win. Uh, but you know, then that might be a little bit of retro, you know, retroactive uh recognition for Stickner because um you know the voting was done before the World Series last year. So maybe there was some of that, but I, I don't know. I just think that I hope Ollie Marmol came in fourth, let's put it that way, if he didn't, since he didn't make Yeah, that's there. a good point. So, Anyway, um, Al and I will, I don't know, we'll probably be back with you. It may not be till December now uh, with Thanksgiving coming up. I'm about to go out and start putting my Christmas lights out. Um, Alan, where where are you on the whole Christmas season thing? I mean, you know, there's some people that say (laughs) as soon as you put your pumpkins away on on the 31st, then it's time to break out the trees and stuff. Um, where, Where do you fall on that? Oh, I am more, we have this discussion all the time as a family. I think that Amber would be more, uh, no, you know what? I take that back. The biggest issue we had as a family where we all came together to battle was when one of the Tulsa radio stations played all Christmas music starting the morning of Halloween. Oh, (laughs) yes. And we were like, okay, come on now. Now, but but on the flip side, we don't have a Tulsa station that plays Christmas music now all the time. You oh, know, right. you get your ins and outs, so you have to go to Apple Music, which you just mm-hmm. take our money. You know, that's the, anything I listen to anyway runs through there, but would be a podcast or whatnot. But I'm more of a I'm a huge Thanksgiving fan. Mm-hmm. So our our where we actually begin now. I know you put up a lot of lights. You're you have a lot of work to do to where it has to start in November. Right. Like our decorating and everything starts the day after Christmas and the tree usually goes up right after the first of December, you know, okay. then because we have a front room that Amber pretty much goes all out on and her parents loved it. Uh, we have a lot of inherited um, decorations and things like that and order some new ones every year. So much so 
maybe embarrassingly so, we have a storage unit full of Christmas decorations. That's all we use it for. So <laughs> that stuff starts going up the first of December. But my my Christmas season starts the day after Thanksgiving, and I think that uh, that our family kind of uh, goes by the same uh, by that same game plan. Yeah, that's. I mean, for the fact that yeah, like I said, I'm I'm just about to go out and start working on putting out the lights. You're right yeah. that I will spend all of next week with the lights um, for the most part. Um, And, but we get them ready. We don't turn them on until the night of, of Thanksgiving. Gotcha. Um, We start doing a little bit of, you know, a little bit of inside decorating, but we don't really, we usually don't pull out the Christmas trees and all that stuff until, you know, Thanksgiving that, that week. It used to be that we did, I did all my decorating. You know, we didn't start until the thing the day after Thanksgiving, but it's gotten so big that we have to try to do a little bit more, but I'm with you. I mean, I tell the kids, you know, no, we, we're not playing Christmas music until, you know, after, after Thanksgiving meal. Um, and for them, if they do it, they listen to it on headphones. I don't have to, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that's, that's part of it. Cause yeah, I think that, you know, November is, and, and, and to be fair, you know, we leave our lights up until epiphany, which is right at the beginning of January. But, you know, after Christmas, you, you start getting tired of it. So, I mean, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you, you stop, you know, maybe they don't come on as often or, or things of that nature. I don't want to be, I don't want to get to Christmas already burned out on all this stuff. So if you started in November, I think I would just be tired of it by that point in time. Yeah. 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 And it's, uh, we play stri- pretty strict by now. One of the things is I, if anybody knows or listens to the show, I like to do some barbecue. I like to smoke meat. I like to do those kind of things. So everybody comes to our house for Thanksgiving anyway. So mm-hmm. we have to do some fall decorations and stuff like that, that, uh, that get its run through November and, mm-hmm. uh, and through, uh, the Thanksgiving weekend anyway. So that's one of the things that we kind of hold off on. I would think that Amber would probably be a little bit more aggressive in her uh, decorating if we didn't have everybody over for Thanksgiving. But but Thanksgiving is a huge meal around our house, and and that's where everybody comes because we you know we smoke a turkey and mm-hmm. and several turkeys honestly, and then um, go that route. So that's just kind of the that's kind of the baseline that we've always had, and it seems to work pretty well because you you just don't get tired of it. You know you get um, you get through that Thanksgiving weekend, and then you kind of start looking at the. Uh, the stores and everything. I will say this though. So we had the, uh, the 73 degree weather on Thursday to where it mm-hmm. went completely opposite. And with the time change, with the cold air, when I was coming home from school yesterday, probably in the five o'clock hour, and you could see all the taillights and the busy streets and the cold air, I did kind of get that, that feeling of a little bit of holiday season just last night. Yeah. You know, if that tells yeah. you anything, but as far as decorating goes, that won't start around here until after Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's, uh, you're right. I mean, it's it's easy to start thinking about it. And, it, you know, holidays, I've always felt like a holiday season encounts Thanksgiving just in a different way. Um, you know, it's there is a focus on let's let's get to that. Let's get to that fall. That's that fall stuff and eating the food and all that. And then you turn it into the, you know, the crate. And, and November is usually so crazy anyway with all this stuff that um, let's, let's not necessarily just go rush into it that being said i've already had a couple of the little nibby christmas tree cakes so you know you you gotta get those when you can so uh, i'm not gonna worry about it i agree with you all right well like i said alan i'll probably do another show um probably beginning of december you know somewhere around the the winter meetings probably the next time you hear from us unless something happens unless the cardinals make a move 
Um, but um, until next time, and you can follow us on the Twitters. You can, if, if you're a little bit concerned about Twitter right now and, and all that's going on, you know, we've got a discord that's for uh, Cardinal podcast. We're got some people talking in there on some different things. So if you're interested, you know, hit me up with a, a message. I'll send you the link. Uh, you can get in there. Um, we've had some good conversations. Um, you know, subscribe to the show if you haven't, because, you know, that way you'll make sure you get whenever we do another one. Um, rate and review. We appreciate that as well. Um, but until next time, whenever that is for Alan, I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night. Pools in the air left field and Pools has given St. Louis the lead.